0: This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Knappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay Voices On Air.
1: The information provided, or any opinions expressed in this show, are of a general nature only, and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. See You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawks Bay. This is a programme called Canny View. It's all about your finances and it's my pleasure as always to have in the studio Nick Stewart, who is the CEO of the Stewart Group right here in Hastings. How you going, Nick? Very good thank you. Compliments of the season to you. Can't you believe it? We'll soon be singing Christmas girls. That'll be your uh, Christmas you'll be playing Christmas songs next show. <laughs> Can't no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I often joke about it at work because I've got one of my colleagues who sits next to the little radio and you just hear all these Christmas carols and, and he's quite a young bloke. So I say, do you actually know any of these songs? <laughs> and he said, no, I've never heard them. And I said, over the next four weeks, you're going to be singing them in your sleep. Yeah, that's right indeed. What's your favourite Christmas song? Oh, I like the one the Snoopy's Christmas oh, yeah, that one. That one That's again. an old it's almost be, It's become a carol. It has? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, it's, and, and it's quite a unique little tune too. Imagine the royalties they got off that song. Correct, yeah. yeah. Can, can you imagine it? Yeah. Anyway, today we're here to talk about uh,
1: all things financial, but before we get there, just remind our listeners what the Stuart Group is all about.
0: We are all about helping people getting their financial house in order and keeping it that way. So we're a financial planning business at our core, but we help people out with their investments, their risk management, and their retirement savings, predominantly in the form of good old KiwiSaver. Indeed. And anyone can come and see you. you. don't have to be recommended or... you. You can Correct. Just yeah, in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, people can just pop in and have a chat with us. Preferably make an appointment, and you've got to be double vaxxed. Yes, you do. But if you're <laughs> not, fine. we can always have a chat on Zoom. Yeah. You have the technology. Aye, Captain, we do. Okay, a couple
1: of uh, topics today. Uh, let's talk about the hard yards, the mahi.
0: Mmm absolutely yeah there's been some real funny commentary around this you've got it where there's this new movement in uh, China and it's called uh, Tang Ping or lying flat and it's where you know some of these is and now just I'll just digress for a second this did happen in Japan so this is not just a first but it's where you know in China you've got it where a lot of young people are you know they're kind of starting to opt out of the really stressful jobs and because they're looking at the same, well, you know, their lifestyle costs are really high. Massive transport; it's become much more expensive to have um, children uh, with care costs, education, etc. And some people are just saying, "I just don't want to do this." So they basically get out of the rat race. They head into the, um, you know, head to the hinterland. A little bit like people at the moment trying to get out of Auckland, come down to Hawke's yep. Bay. Can
1: oh no, yeah. And, and,
0: and look, we've had people. Um, you know, there was evidence that this was happening in Japan over the last three decades, where people were just, some people were just not opting for the lifestyle that that the traditional young uh, Japanese folk were, um, you know, taking the path on, and we're now seeing that in China. But yeah, so and and the the comment lying flat, the kind of tongue-in-cheek comment is this, this young guy that they profiled it was quite a cool little story. So he actually gets a job on the Bond film set, and literally the term like lying flat. He was paid more and had a better lifestyle yeah. by laying flat and playing, playing being a dead corpse on a bomb <laughs> film, yes. than he was paid um, living in the inner city on an adjusted basis for his costs. Yeah. So you've got some people that are doing that, but the Chinese authorities. You know, the big totalitarian state isn't so happy with people taking no. the lying flat approach to life. I bet they're not.
1: But also over there, there is a different uh, work ethic, isn't it? I mean, if you look at say Japan, for instance, you can't even begin to compare the work
0: ethic in Japan to say what we have here. Yeah, I don't really can. I don't even think you can have it in the same sentence. No, no that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very, very different.
1: And it's not my experience uh, personally, but it seems to me that in this day and age, a lot of young people now are, you know. They're happy to work, but they want to start at the top. Well, don't we
0: all, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah um, you're right. But I think you've got it at the moment where, um, you know, traditionally when you think back, like when I you know, talk to my folks about what it was like when they bought their first home, you know, people often had a second or a third mortgage. Uh, they were working additional jobs on the weekend to make ends meet, to get ahead. The days of that, it's very uncommon that I meet someone um, who has a second tier lender behind behind them so they can get on the property ladder and that they 've got a second job on yeah. the weekend that 's unheard of. most are into um you know the old colloquialism the wine, woman, and song, but yeah. it 's more like um beer, beer, surf, and cricket or rugby I mean yeah. they want the weekends to themselves, and that 's the difference between some of these um folk from emerging market nations such as. You know, Mm -hmm. what we've just spoken about in China, that kind of work ethic, um, versus the more established, developed world societies where some people are just not up for those type of hours.
1: Yeah. I wonder, uh, that must have changed out to my generation because uh, I remember uh, when I was first married that um, both my wife and I, we both had two jobs. Yeah. And uh, to get into the housing market, uh, we had to have two jobs because we had one of those awesome mortgages that was 23%. Yeah. And, um, but it was just part and parcel of that work ethic that we had learned from our parents so when did it change?
0: It's hard to give a day it's one of those things that's like it's a little bit like your car and imagine that over time the paint fades Yes, but you're never really sure when it actually happened <laughs> it's just happened over time <clears throat> and it's a little bit like we've spoken about this before Ken about um, elderly folk who elect to stay in their home for longer over a period of time that things like the repairs and maintenance starts to fall a bit, the garden gets a little bit ratty it 's not as, you know the house doesn 't look as clean anymore it hasn 't been renovated, but you don 't really know when the slip occurred. It just happened over a long period of time and if you think about the slipping of new zealand 's productivity as a nation that is that has been that has been occurring for a long period of time. You cannot pin it on one government of no. any creed nor color, so it 's not blue, black, white, yellow. It's none of the political parties. It's been going on for such a long time. We haven't moved the productivity needle as a country for two and a half decades. Mm, hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's a very, very long time.
1: Okay. Lying flat and rage quitting.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, the rage quitting. This is this whole thing about all of these folk um, who are saying, you know, I don't want to do my job anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to change. Um, and they're uh, quitting. It. It's called the, um, the great resignation, as they say in the United States. Now, the, now you know, our media has picked up on this, and you're seeing it coming through. Now, there is a massive difference between the United States and New Zealand. The United States, people flit in and out of jobs regularly. Employers can make people redundant at the drop of a hat, and you arrive at work, and there's a thing called a pink slip on your desk. You've been made redundant, and there's a pile of banana boxes in the corner, and one of those is for you. <laughs> and then you exit, and you go and pick up another job. They, it's a much more, it's a, you know trying to think of the word can't get my head around it but it's more that they have much more transition and they're not afraid to move in and out of jobs now if you look at other other areas say like say other countries say like um britain people don't do that there you know you don't just come in and out of jobs like that Mm -hmm. so the u.s this happens and if you look at say late 2008 early 2009 Companies just shed employees massively, and you know what? Six months later, when when you know the storm had passed and the sun was back out and it was happy days again, they like a vacuum cleaner they hoovered up all the jobs again, and yeah. it was and it was good to go. We don't do that here; it's right. just very very different. So I can't quite see that happening here. There is a little bit of anecdotal evidence that there is some of that, but kind of as the way we wrote our piece in the weekend, we're saying you know. It's all fine and dandy to say, hey, I'll get something else. You know, God will provide. I might win lotto. But the fact is that your um, mortgage payment will still fall due on the yep. same day next month. Um, the Hastings district or whatever district you're in still want the rates paid on time. Uh, and you know what? If you're, um, you know, school fees and school uniforms and filling filling the tank with petrol at a much higher cost than it was six months ago, Kent. Absolutely. Um, they are still going to fall due. So, you know, it's it's really, really easy to say that, or on a survey, people say, yeah, I'm thinking about changing my job. But when it actually comes to the crunch and actually doing that and making it happen, hey, yeah. it's a bit harder than you think. It's like, Ken, I would love to say to you, how about you and I do the Peak Trailblazer next year and we'll belt up the top of Tomato Peak. Hey, it's 11 and a half months away. You up for it? I'm up for it. Exactly. But if I asked you and said, hey, it's Ken, it's two weeks away, Are you ready? <laughs> I'm up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit harder to do things when it comes to the crunch. And the the other one that I've been saying to people um, of late around this, I say, and and I've been saying this around, say, the COVID vaccination, uh, about those that are unwilling to get it. And, you know, um, look, I'm sure there are some that have massive cash reserves, have no debt, and are able to make those types of calls because they can compress their expenditure at a moment's notice. Or they have cash reserves to live off, live on. But for those of the more average folk like me, you know, I have a mortgage yeah. and I have obligations. So for me, if I was to if I was to hypothetically pick up the phone and have a chat to the bank and and my insurance company and say, Hey, look, I'm just thinking about that, I just want to take some time out. Can I have a holiday? Can I have a breather? They're going to say No. That's right. Yeah. So
1: I wonder. That, uh, as we record this program, the headline in the papers today was: "There's a plethora of jobs available." Yeah. So the economy's got to be in good heart. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Um, the economy does appear to be in good heart, but um, all of these things are, are averages, and it's a little bit like saying, on average, the probability of cycling down the road in bare feet and a helmet. Um, you are, that, that you're never going to get a grazed knee. Yeah, yeah, on average, that's correct. But occasionally, that is not going to be the case and you're going to get, um, you know, you, get, you are going to get grazed. You're going to fall off. And,
1: and I wonder, are those jobs, are they the jobs that uh, um, make for a booming economy or for a booming uh, personal
0: lifestyle? Mm, I think that's actually really difficult to say at the moment. Um, the job market is, is strong in terms of the fact that the number of adverts out there are very, very strong. But the fact is that wage growth is just, it's it's not that good versus the increase in the cost of living. So I put up a little wee kind of little post the other day on social media, and it was a photograph on one section of a guy waving from a Ferrari. Mm Mm-hmm. And the comment was, you know, I just had a wage. I just had a wage increase of three point six percent. Then they pan. Then, then the photograph panning out, the Ferrari was actually on the back of a tow truck, and the tow truck had cost of living increase five point nine percent. So effectively, yes, you have wage increase, um, which is great, keeps people going. You know, it's, it's a job market. But if the underlying costs of living are double that, which is what it is at the moment. Um, things aren't quite as good as it appears. All right, um, just before we leave this
1: subject, uh, um, rage quitting and uh, lying flat, is that likely to be on the increase in New Zealand, in your opinion, over the next, or in the foreseeable future?
0: Yeah, I do see that, yeah. So if we look at it, and we're going to lead on to the, uh, in a moment we're going to talk about housing, but if you think about, it's expected that a lot of Aucklanders are going to be looking at moving out of Auckland when they have the opportunity to do so, over the summer months, and i don 't mean moving for a holiday i 'm meaning moving permanently, yeah, so yes, I do believe that we 'll seeing this we will see this kind of lying flat, the you know, the great resignation occur for a period of time because look, after any seismic event anywhere of any form, people will shift. it would be a little bit like as a child, I grew up at um, in Clive, just opposite the turn off to Fokka Now, during the period that I lived there as a child, that entire area got flooded twice. Mm. So, you know, major events came through. We're talking water that went through people's, you know... I remember it. Yeah, like, you know, up to the knees. Fortunately, Mum and Dad, we had our... our, uh, They talked to some wise old folk who told them, now, you need to put the house on much higher stilts than other folk because, you know, and they talked about 50-year flood heights so ours never never got above the carpet so mm. it was pretty good but you can imagine after these type of really large events people move yes so after being in lockdown in Auckland at a place that is the gateway to New Zealand you know the um, you know Auckland that it is that that's that's the hub of New Zealand in terms of uh, airports and planes and transportation and also shipping so if you think about it you know Auckland will always be the center of covid on that basis because it's got a mass population you know um, but some 30% of the population is a very, very small isthmus or small, you know, small area of land. So naturally it's going to be a bit of a hub for that. And some people are saying, you know, I'm sick of the traffic, I'm out, I don't want to do this, my mortgage is huge. Perhaps I look at a place like, I don't know, let's, let's talk about, say, Wanganui, next to the river, lovely old established trees, beautiful old homes, some really, really good schools and an entirely different lifestyle with a much cheaper cost. So, yeah, I do believe that Mm. this kind of great resignation and this kind of of transition and people moving is going to happen, just as I use the analogy with those floods back in the um, late 70s, early 80s in Clive until the stock banks were built up.
1: Indeed. All right. Let's go into on one of our favourite topics now, which is housing. we have been talking about it for as long as you've been making this program, which must be getting five or six years now.
0: Yeah, buddy. And, we uh, have.
1: You know, various people from your organisations. They're oh, all that housing bubble is going to burst. But um, you know, if you bought your house in two thousand and eleven, then your house is now worth sixty percent more. Yes. Than what it was, and someone owning a house can say, "Oh my God!" It's- yeah, you I know. couldn't it's- get that money anywhere
0: else, could you? Yeah. Correct. Well. Um- Well, there are other asset classes that you could actually achieve that. I mean, if you'd bought a farm over the same period, you would have achieved a very similar outcome. If you'd invested in a broad basket of diversified stocks globally, you would have achieved a very similar Mm. outcome. But the fact is we all need a roof over our head. It's just kind of rather sad, the fact that we've utilised the roof over our head as the largest single asset on the average Joe's balance sheet. So most of us, actually, it's our single largest asset. It's the thing we focus on the most. But when you commingle investment with lifestyle, um, you know, it can be problematic long-term. But it certainly has inflated the balance sheets of the average Kiwi who's fortunate to own a property or a home. It certainly has elevated the balance sheet. And, and there's that feel-good factor of knowing you're worth more. Okay, as a financial advisor,
1: and, um, what, would, what would your comments be on bricks and mortar only, as an investment, what are the pros and what are the cons and uh, when we're looking at say residential as opposed to commercial, give us the give us a gen on that so if I'm an investor come to see you and say, mm. okay, I mm. just
0: want to get into the property market well if they want to get into the property market, you could choose a couple of avenues so you go you know you could go the kind of agricultural horticultural way that typically comes with a much you require i'm going to use old school language a much bigger checkbook yes. Um, so prohibits most people cuts them out Um, commercial industrial property is the other way to go so you've got a nice solid lease in place you know really really good agreements whereas with the new legislation around residential housing the power has moved more towards the tenant away from the landlord whereas in the commercial and industrial area it's you know there is an agreement between tenant and landlord and it's it's very very rigid depending on Mm. the agreement but most of them are very very solid so you actually As a landlord, it's a little bit easier Mm -hmm. because you know the rules of the game. Um, But at the moment, you know, cap rates or the capitalisation rates or the yield one will receive after you've um, outlaid the acquisition price. The the yield is actually quite low these days uh, versus um, the historical average. But that's the same could be said for many asset classes. But if we look at residential, you know, historically a lot of people have had very, very high leverage Whereas the leverage that we typically see against, say, commercial property would be, you know, kind of like 50%. Mm. There are some people who use second-tier lenders and go much higher than that. Um, I used to work for an investment bank when I was much younger, and we used to do some second-tier lending on things. And we, we'd get up to, you know, 70%, 80% leverage, sometimes higher with mezzanine funding. Um, but if we boil it back to just going back to residential, so a lot of people have had much higher leverage uh, than, say, 50% historically. It's now becoming much harder for um, investors to um, secure funding for uh, properties. You know, banks are asking a lot more questions and their appetite has reduced mm. considerably in recent years. So there's that. But you've also got, the, and I referred, I'm, I mentioned before about the kind of power has moved to the tenant. Well, you know, this government have have done a, a really, really good job of putting up bricks and mortar and making it difficult for people in that particular sector thus far it hasn't had a lot of effect you've got um, there's evidence that um, some smaller landlords are exiting the market so historically you know you used to be able to have a loss attributing qualifying company you so you could offset the losses from the residential house and pass so through to your personal income that has now gone mm-hmm. now you um, the deductibility of, um, of debt on the property has also gone, and that's that's about start. So for many people, that that is extremely problematic for them to make ends meet. So you're going to see some people exiting that market. So I don't mean to sound too doom and gloom on that, because people have had really, really good returns, but to enter that particular asset class of residential property, the hurdles and the obligations are just much harder than they ever used to be. Now, I was going to have a quick word on uh,
1: diversity, because I know you are in favour of diverse uh, portfolios. But on a scale of 1 to 10, if someone said to you bricks and mortar or commercial, how would you rate it, 1 to 10, as a
0: sole investment? See, for me, I'm into diversification, whereas most folk, when they come to us, with that scenario you've just detailed, they only have sufficient capital to buy one. Yep. So they don't come to us with $10 million where we can spread it evenly across, across different different geographical locations and different tenant profiles, etc. They just have enough money to buy one. So, you know, ultimately um, there's risk with that because what happens if, on the commercial side, what happens if the tenant fails? Um, what happens if there's some, some type of negative activity in the area? I mean, what happens if next door to your commercial property a gang pad moves yeah, in, clear. so you've got a bit of an issue. So, again, diversification is your friend. Hence, I am going to do a political answer, <laughs> and I'm not going to answer your question on that one, because the, the, and the fact is that you, you know, we just wouldn't advise someone to yeah. go in and buy a single, a single asset on a single street, single location. Now, I know you've got a
1: great song to come, so I've got about three minutes on uh, on diverse portfolios. What are the pros and, and what are the cons
0: of having a, a diverse portfolio? Uh, well, the fact is, like pistons in a car, when one's up, the other, the other may be down. And the fact is that um, you don't lose your shirt. You know, diversification is your friend. It's the ultimate thing for a sleepless night. And it actually, over time, if you look at the studies, if we look at like the financial engineering of portfolios and structures, diversified portfolios do very, very well through both up and down markets long term. And that is the key because investment is not a short term thing no. it 's a long term thing. do you
1: still have to be in for that seven year cycle? Is it still seven years? Good times, bad times last for seven years
0: <laughs> Hey, look, some markets like the New Zealand residential housing market's gone on for a lot longer mm. than the seven years, but yeah, typically you um, people do need to be in for that kind of period of you know seven years yeah. Yep. Well, before we let you get back to work,
1: let's just have a bit of a look at the, what's happening on the political scene.
0: Yeah, well, mate, it's, um, wow, a week is a long time in politics, is it not? Blimey. Yeah, no, interesting. So kind of game on. And it's interesting, you know, we've got, so there are absolutely no polls out at the moment uh, in terms of with the, if there is a uh, Luxon, not Luxton, but a Luxon bounce for National. But it's really interesting. There were uh, There was a poll out just the other day that for the first time, in 15 years, well, sorry, I'll rephrase that. The country's net direction of travel by those polled, it's the lowest it has been in 15 years. Mm. So, yeah, interesting times, very interesting times. So when you look at the Chris Luxon moving forward,
1: um, I see the election in two years' time as being Labour Green.
0: Yeah, could... Um, yeah, it could well be. It's really interesting, though. You noticed of late that you know the Greens are starting to walk away for or trying to trying to not be too close to things like Three Waters. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's interesting, Ken. That you know the song that I've chosen today, "One Country." I thought just with that kind of, we're starting to see a little bit of division at the moment. Some kind of unhappy people in the community. You know, this kind of the unvax, the vax, etc. So hence, I thought today with the song by Midnight Oil from the Blue Sky Mining album called One Country. I was reading the lyrics of that the other day and I thought that would be very, very (laughs) apt at the present time. If you had to give Chris Luxon one bit of advice before we get to that song, what would it be? I'd use like a kind of cricketing analogy. Play on the front foot, play a straight bat, keep an eye on the ball. Because certainly at the moment, there are a lot of balls in the air. and, um, And I think that if they just focus on things like law and order, the economy and health, they will do very, very well because they are the things that people are crying out for. I mean, what, what, what have we done in, in five years? What, doubled the gang numbers in Hawke's Bay? Yes. 8,500 yeah. gang members in New Zealand, aren't yeah. How mean, do they? Yeah. How do they count them? Well, mate, <laughs> they've almost register. got enough of them. They could have their own political yeah. party. <laughs>
1: Information provided, or any opinions expressed in this show, are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge.
0: This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Canappers. Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.